0: Have a Wonderful Feast of Passover by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor. The Feast of Passover has always been associated with or connected to the word freedom. The hidden truths revealed from within this feast are like a blueprint of the plan of God for man's liberty from the ills of the world, freedom from the evil forces that are behind it, and total restoration of creation. To understand Passover and our chance for freedom, we must first see and understand our captivity. After the fall of Adam and Eve, mankind became increasingly entangled, ensnared by their own logic, their own thinking based on Satan's knowledge. They willfully chose the wisdom of an angel over that of their creator, providing them with a database that led to imperfection and ultimate failure, First Corinthians chapter three verses eighteen through twenty shows this: Let no one deceive himself, if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool. forget what he has been taught by the world, that he may become wise, become wise by changing from the world's knowledge. To God's. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Think about it. This is what we take out student loans, pay big money for. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. Man thinks himself clever, shrewd, smarter than others, but they are so far from the knowledge of their Creator. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So do you agree, to restore mankind and set him free, the knowledge of God would have to be returned to them? Over the ages, the twisted, tainted knowledge Eve chose shaped and molded a people that have the nature and morals of the one this knowledge stemmed from. It is from this thinking, this database, society and the world systems we see today evolved. To return to the image of God, man must therefore pass over from the knowledge of Satan to that of the Lord. Because of their rebellion and sin, another stumbling block arose. Their spirit died in the fall. Their soul man therefore took the lead allowing their flesh and emotions to guide their lives they chose flesh and blood over spirit they could no longer see into the supernatural maybe little blips here and there but for the most part they could only see this realm gone were their supernatural abilities including their insight god's knowledge therefore became dimmer and dimmer. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14 tells us, But the natural man, one without his spirit, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Again, before the death of their spirit, The supernatural and the natural were seen as one realm, and they could function in both. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, shows us the sad result. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts then your thoughts. Understanding the deeper things of God became near impossible without their spirit directing them. It is our spirit that best communicates, interacts, and exchanges information with the Spirit of God. The soul can easily get caught up in Satan's cobwebs, the illusion of grandeur that controls this world. So we can see the spirit of man must be resurrected for man to be set free from the works of the flesh and the sorrows that plague the planet today. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 gives us a list of wrongdoing man's flesh gets them into. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It is very difficult for man to avoid walking in these things, however, unless he is born again, his spirit man revived, and the nature of God restored, along with its language, for direction from God. We must pass over from the soulish man, Adam, to one in the image of the spiritual man, Christ. But there is still another problem that must be remedied. The creature Adam and Eve chose to follow and became familiar with was an angel, a cherub, which paved the way mentally for the rebellious angels that followed him to be accepted by humanity. Humans became comfortable, then unfortunately... Intimate with the angels, and a whole different creature was born, a mixed species, half angel, half man. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, speaks of Satan and his rebellious angels. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon, Satan, and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. See who Eve was talking to? Called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He is here now. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Genesis Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and verse 4, speaks of this and explains what further happened. Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, the angels, saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose Nothing strange. They were used to them. There were giants on the earth in those days, the angels, and also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them. A different species was born. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. They were accepted, respected, and admired. Their blood, their genes, their DNA became different from that of the original pair. All creation was originally created by God after their own kind, each a specific species. When species are crossed, they become imperfect, weakened, open to sickness and death. Your genes are unique. Half are from your mother, half from your father. So Adam's descendants would surely need a different blood than that which is flowing through their veins to be set free of Satan. Man's blood is tainted and carrying genetically the evil traits of their angelic forefathers. So to be separate from the family of Satan and his altered race, to be a part of the new earth and God's kingdom, the blood of God's family would have to be changed somehow allowing them to pass over from the Adamic race to a new generation, a new creation, ones that would give praise to God, not angels. Psalm 102, verse 18, prophesied there would be such ones. This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord a prophecy by David concerning the new species. Here is another badly needed change for mankind. For the most part, Adam's children walk according to the laws of the land rather than taking serious the laws of God. They may understand the physical laws of the universe, like gravity, etc., but at the same time be totally unaware of God's spiritual laws designed to guard and protect His children. To be free from wrong decisions, coming to the wrong conclusions, judging things improperly, going in the wrong direction, the laws of God must be restored to man for us to successfully live and be protected by God's sovereignty, His power and authority as His family, His children, His bride, we must be obedient to the spiritual laws so they cover, direct, and protect us. These laws are thankfully made available to all God's children at baptism, and the newly revived spirit within the newborn can easily access them. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, before baptism was made available and that part of God's plan for restoration revealed, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. So when we are born again, we must pass over from lawlessness to being law-abiding citizens of God's kingdom. We can therefore plainly see to reverse the original sin and pass back over from time to eternity again, man must not only choose the knowledge of God, but obey his laws as well. Only then will he be restored to the former state of perfection. So how is all of this renewal possible? Through the Passover lamb, foreshadowed by the Lamb of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 3 through 11. Let's read it with our spirit's eyes open. Exodus chapter 12, verses 3 through 11. Speak to all the congregation of Israel. Today, the new creature, the born again, are God's people, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. Christ is the lamb chosen by God to cover his household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, A male is the first year, perfect lamb, foreshadow of Jesus. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Jesus, as our Passover lamb, died for us. But he also took our sins on himself and paid the price of death for man as the scapegoat. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, sunset, a time to enter into rest, the beginning of a new day. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, we are God's house. And on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, Leaven is symbolic of sin, and bread equals flesh, and with bitter herbs, to remember the grief their sin caused mankind. They shall eat it, foreshadow of the Lord's Supper and John chapter 6, verse 53. We must eat of his flesh and drink of his blood for life. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled. At all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. Eat all of the lamb. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. This salvation, this protection, was for God's people alone. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Isaiah prophesied something similar for God's end-time people. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 20. Come, my people, into your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. 1 Corinthians 5, verses 7 and 8, Apostle Paul encouraged and advised, Therefore, purge out the old leaven, repent of our sins, that you may be a new lump, a new creature, since you truly are unleavened, have been forgiven. For indeed, Christ Our Passover was sacrificed for us, so our sins can be forgiven and total restoration made possible. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship Him, whose names have not been written in the book of life, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In the end, all believers, as well as non-believers, will worship the Lamb and come to realize the tremendous significance of the blood sacrifice. As we can see, God had a plan for the restoration of His creation before man even fell. The enemy will fail to succeed in the end, even by altering creation as he has. Satan's aim to be God over earth will surely fail because of the blood of Christ and the covenants God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the forefathers of the new creature. As each feast of Passover comes around yearly, a greater understanding of the blood, the covenants, the sacrifice of the Lamb of God, is more deeply comprehended and with it grows our immense love and appreciation for the Lord. Every detail has been thought of and addressed. For instance, did you realize the sacred calendar was established at the time of Israel's departure from Egypt? There must be a correlation between the feasts and God's timing because they are always on the same date on His sacred calendar, the one He actually instituted. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, reveals its establishment. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, Aviv, later known as Nisan, shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. The sacred calendar is for his people. Another thing that is revealed, keeping in mind that it was in the beginning month of that first year that God said in verse 3 they were to take a lamb on the 10th day of that first month to their home. That means It had to be tiny, no older than nine or ten days, a perfect little innocent newborn lamb. This precious little lamb's blood covered the lives of the firstborn to Israel as the Lamb of God does the new creature today. You see, it is the born again that are really Israel, God's children, These promises are only for those that are birthed through the seed of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16 shows us who the seed is. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, spells out how we can be reborn through that seed. Then Peter said to them, Repent of all sin in your life, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, not Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. These are His titles, but in His name for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God touches the newly revived Spirit. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 breaks it on down further. We must first believe in Him. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, testifying you believe in Him and want Him to change you and make you His, and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, that he conquered death, defeated the enemy for us to set us free. You will be saved. Step one. Colossians chapter two, verse 12, shows us the next thing we must do. Buried with him in baptism, we break all soul ties to the world and to its people, then die to our carnal selves In the watery grave, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, meaning by faith in God's word and promises to be resurrected as a new creature. Step two, we are reborn. There is more, though. Our spirit is now revived and given life but it must be given a language to talk to its Father, a nature and ability to function on behalf of the kingdom. We are now a part of. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Step 3. So we are born again, our spirit revived, But what about the Adamic blood? 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through 25 explains the night the new blood covenant was instituted, the covenant the new creature enters into with the Lord. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And why the covenant? John, chapter 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh, bread, of the Son of Man, He is the bread of life, God's knowledge, and drink His blood, wine. You have no life in you. Without this covenant, man would remain Adam. Have his blood born to die. Step four. So he shed his own blood for the forgiveness of our sins and paid the death penalty we deserved. He gave his life as the ransom price to set us free from the enemy's ownership. He jubileed us and all creation. How does he change our bloodline from Adam? He changes the wine to blood at communion as easily as He changed the waters to wine at the beginning of His ministry to stamp out the angel blood and give us life eternal again. This covenant made and sealed through the sacrifice of Jesus assures us of God's promise of salvation and restoration for each individual that cries out to Him, He will save them. Galatians chapter 3 verses 27 and 29. For as many of you, it's up to us to choose as we're baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This new creature is the new Israel, set free of the world. The seed of Abraham with the blood of the Father now infused into their blood. Side note, did you realize God made covenant with Abraham while Abraham slept? He likewise made covenant with man while he was a sinner and dead in Adam. It was done without man's help. In fact, God did all things made perfect arrangements and preparations for the future of the earth and its inhabitants before Adam and Eve knew anything was wrong. And then he rested. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 helps us to understand that which has been is what will be, that which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, See, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. God had all under control before it was out of control. This brings us to the next step we must take. You see, within that rest of God lies the blueprint the plan for restoration, the destiny of all creation. We must therefore eat all of the Passover lamb and enter his rest at twilight as step five. Sabbath means rest, which is the first feast, the feast of Sabbath. Hebrews chapter four, verse one. Therefore, since a promise remains, it is there for us of entering His rest. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So why should we fear? Please understand, to be safe from God's wrath that is soon to be released on the earth, we must enter into Sabbath or rest. It is there we are covered by God's promises and the blood covenants. We sure do not want to miss that final Sabbath. Exodus chapter 31, verse 14. You shall keep the Sabbath, not Sunday church. Therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. Ouch. Ouch. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Most of the world will miss it because of false doctrine. They will be a day off. Only the Father actually knows when this Sabbath will be. Until that time, the rest of God is like a cocoon that prevents corrosion, envelops us for protection as we eat the knowledge of God and grow in understanding and maturity. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 tells us why we need to grow up spiritually. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, immature, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. This divine food that causes us to grow, mature, and change to a new eternal creature is found in God's beasts and served within the rest of God. We don't just celebrate them. We experience them. The more we eat, the more we change. The more we change, the faster we grow into the free new species God predestined to build a new society and restore all things on earth. Concluding thoughts. All mankind, good, bad, and in between, have the awesome opportunity to reverse the original sin of rebelliously choosing the wrong knowledge to righteously choosing the wisdom of God. We can die to our old selves in Christ's death and baptism. Then through His resurrection, have our spirit revived and touched by his spirit to restore its language, be seated with the fruit of the nature of God's spirit, and gain the supernatural abilities Adam and Eve had before the fall. By entering into Christ's blood covenant at communion, our blood is transfigured from Adam's to Christ's cleansing us of the foreign angel blood and replacing it with his own. By continuously eating the end-time knowledge of God, we begin to metamorphose from the new creature that dies and is taken to paradise to a new species that becomes immortal, incorruptible, because it is genetically programmed to carry the traits of its father and will soon pass over from time to eternity. These will pass over into the promised land, the kingdom of God through Christ's victory over the world and over the enemy. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 55, shows us these ones. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. Our ancestry is changed, our spirit revived, made vocal, and dressed appropriately, our blood cleansed and reprofiled, etc. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, the dead in Christ, and we shall be changed, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Because of the Passover lamb, these will pass over to perfect tomorrows, from time to eternity, leaving behind all sickness, sin, sorrow, pain, and even death. Revelation chapter 21 verses 4 and 5 closes us with a beautiful promise. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So much to look forward to, whichever Passover you may be experiencing. Have a wonderful feast of Passover.